Hey everybody, you're listening to Orla's Happy Hormones podcast, talking all things female health and wellness. I'm Orla O'Flaherty, a certified naturopath and herbalist, and I'm here to talk about everything from periods, hormones, fertility, health, sex, energies, self-awareness, and just life in general. Here's to happy hormones and a happy you. Hey, and welcome to episode 50 of Orla's Happy Hormones podcast. And this week I'm taking a bit of a break from what was scheduled to be up. This week was meant to be episode three or part three of the sex episodes. And just in light of the way the world is right now and in light of all the questions that I'm getting in around anxiety and mental health and how to cope through times like this and panic attacks, all that sort of stuff. I felt that, okay, people need a bit of support here. So I'm just, I have decided to do an episode just around coping mechanisms, how, what it is that you can do to help yourself, be it through an actual panic attack or be it through the cascade of emotions that are coming in and because for a lot of people from the feedback that I'm getting from people that's how it feels for them it's it's like an onslaught or, or an attack of emo- of emotions for them and that's completely understandable um what I will say is I'm not a psychotherapist uh, I studied psychotherapy for a couple of years I never finished it so I'm not a psychotherapist but I am someone who has been through a lot when it comes to anxiety and mental health and mental wellness or emotional wellness and I've had to do the work on myself over the years continuously because even now with everything that's going on I've been triggered I've been triggered left right and center and I had to go into my toolbox and see right what is it that I can use here what's going to help me move through whatever emotions are coming up for me so from all the questions that I'm getting in, I said, this needs to be addressed. So I'm hoping I can give practical tips for anyone who's listening to just move through different things that come up for them or different emotions that are coming up for them. But this is where we are. Like right now, we're, we're in a place of fear not everyone some people have a little bit of fear other people have a mass amount of fear but it's very understandable and it's valid because we're in a time that nobody on this earth has ever experienced nobody has ever been through a pandemic before those were that word alone pandemic instills fear And then when you leave your house, when you do go to the shops, you're getting a constant reminder of what's actually going on. There's red tape everywhere. When you go into shops, there's barriers at the tills. When I'm driving down to Clada to go for my walks, there's barriers all along the docks there's bunkers there's first response there's very apocalyptic looking things around the place so it's 
valid that a lot of fears are coming up for people. We're in somewhat of a shutdown. We're not in a lockdown. So looking at the positives here, we're in a shutdown. We're in a pandemic. And we've never seen it before. And that's scary. But for a lot of people, from a lot of the feedback that I'm getting from people is, I feel the fear is more about losing your sense of control. And for me, that was one of the issues, was losing my sense of control. Like we're being told what we can and can't do. And I, again, I understand all for public health and public safety. But that doesn't mean that you can't be triggered in that. That doesn't mean that you can't get feelings of anxiety around that. Again, we've never seen this before. So those feelings are valid. But what is anxiety? So anxiety is feeling worry or nervousness or unease about something with an uncertain outcome. It's the fear of the unknown. So it's completely understandable to be feeling anxious right now. But when those feelings of anxiety or panic, when they take hold and that grip doesn't let go, that's when it starts to become a bit problematic. Now, I'm someone who I've suffered with anxiety on and off over my entire life. I've spoken about my own journey with mental health on on here a few times. But I'm not sure if I've actually addressed the anxiety or panic attack side of things. So just so you know that I do understand where people are coming from when it comes to anxiety and panic and fear. For me, I I suffered with panic attacks for years. And I'd get them every couple of days when I was in school. They all started when I was about 13, 14, I think. But when they would come, they would come on strong and hard and thick and fast. They were the full-on hyperventilation ones. I would be completely frozen in fear and completely lose my sense of control. Anytime I felt one coming on, I would get these unbearable thoughts that, okay, that's it, or this is the one that's the one that's going to kill me. This is the one that I'm not going to be able to get out of. This is the one where I'm not going to be able to get my breath back. So there is a complete sense of loss of control. And I did have these for years. And as a teenager, like I was going to therapy, I was doing different things. I was on different medications. Then I tried homeopathy and herbs, which I've talked about before. For me, the only thing that would actually help in the midst of a panic attack would be aconite homeopathically and a brown paper bag to breathe, to breathe through. But I never actually had a way to fully control them or to stop them in their tracks as a teenager when I was in school. It wasn't until my early 20s that I finally learned techniques to control them. And I did learn to manage them and I did learn to alleviate them. I haven't, haven't had a panic attack in... My last panic attack was about a year and a half ago. But that was because I had a collapsed lung. So again, in itself, that's a valid reason to have a panic attack. Before that was a couple of years before that. <clears throat> again, the reason was a valid reason for it. 
And before that, it had been years. But it was over the years of learning the tools and techniques that I could use to control my mind, control my breathing and to bring myself back into reality. These were all very essential for stopping a panic attack right in its tracks. It's something that I'm not going to say is a quick fix. It doesn't solve things immediately. But it does help in that acute stage of an anxiety or panic attack. When it comes to what triggers the panic attacks or anxiety, that's a different story. But it's knowing what your triggers are. So for me, like throughout the last few weeks, I've had to consciously keep my mind in check. And I've had to actively bring continuous awareness to how I'm feeling and rationalize things because again I'm not completely immune to emotional health and wellness problems nobody is the top psychiatrists psychologists and psychotherapists will say this themselves everybody has something that will be triggered in them and everybody will cope with them in different ways but it's a matter of finding the tools that will help you that will help you to recognize when a panic attack is coming on or an anxiety attack is coming on or tools that will help you to recognize when you are feeling anxious and tools to help you recognize what um, what the actual emotions are that you're feeling and how to work through those emotions but like I said I'm not immune to them I'm not immune to not feeling all these emotions. If anything, I I feel a lot of emotions. (laughs) But it's just I've become better with dealing with them through years of experience with them and years of having to learn the tools. But trust me, I do know how, how hard it can be to remember like the likes of even your own name when you're in the midst of a panic attack or an anxiety attack let alone a long list of things to get you through a panic attack. So the likes of all those tools. So I want to give a few bits of practical advice of what you can do for being prepared for if a panic attack comes up, if an anxiety attack comes up. What I would suggest is writing down, getting a pen and paper and writing down the next few steps just for getting you through that acute stage and have it stuck on a wall or on a mirror or on the back of your phone or in your safe room what I call a safe room or your safe space is if you are someone who has panic attacks or anxiety attacks is to have a designated room or place where you can go where you feel safe and safe enough to go through that panic attack and that anxiety attack but also a place where you can put things that will help bring you out of it so like I said find a safe room or a safe space so while you're stuck at home allocate a certain room that will automatically make you feel safe you know that when you are in there that room is just for you and you have the tools in that room to help you get through it in there have the likes of your steps somewhere where you can see them have them written quite big or large and 
this is automatically giving you a, a sense of power back or a sense of control over it because you know that you have some place where you can go that's going to help you get through the next 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 minutes, however long your panic attack will last for. Now, what I'll say is if you're still in work, type them up and stick them to either your computer screen or on your desk or save them to your to your desktop on your phone or your screensaver on your phone. If there's a lot of bathrooms in your workplace, designate a stall for yourself. Nobody else needs to know, but even just in your own head, designate a certain stall in a bathroom that you can go to and you can sit and you can feel the fear or the panic or the sadness or whatever emotions are coming up for you that are somewhat overwhelming. But know in your head that that's your little safe space that you can go to or else if you have a care go to your care create a safe space in your care and then when you feel a panic attack coming on go straight to your safe space the first tip i will give when it comes to having a panic attack is the five senses this has been used for years and it's one of those things that can immediately ground you. So we all have five senses. We have sight, touch, hearing, smell and taste. So sight, look for five things that you can see. Look at the door, look at the window, look at the phone, computer or look at flowers. Take note of what's around you. If you're at home, there'll be loads. If you are in work and you've designated a toilet stall for yourself. I'm not promoting vandalism here, but what I will say is even get a pen and mark things on the side of the door, things that you can focus on, five different things, five different shapes. Apologies to any companies who are going to have marked bathroom door stalls. I'm sorry, but it's in the interest of people's mental health. But look for five things that are around you. If you're in your care, make sure there's plenty of crap in your care. If it's anything like my care, there'll be loads of shit in it. Then touch. Four things that you can touch. So you can touch the table or you can squeeze your leg or your arm. Run cold water on your hands or have a squeeze ball, one of those stress balls that you can touch. Try and get one that has texture to it so you can really feel the texture of it. Again, this is bringing you back into your body. Then hearing. Listen for three things. A song on the radio. Birds chirping outside. The ticking of a clock. If you can't hear anything, start scratching the table or a door. And that sound itself will help bring you back. Then smell. Two things you can smell. Smell is really one of those senses that can bring you back to really good memories or also bad memories. So make sure that you can have something to hand, a smell that gives you nice feelings. Essential oils are a really good way of doing this. So carrying the likes of lavender or lemon balm with you, they're both nervine herbs and nervine essential herbs. So they're gonna support the nervous system. They're very calming and they're very grounding. If you can't carry essential oils with you, even have a bottle of perfume. I always have my perfume in my bag. If I am in an overwhelming place, I might spritz a bit of perfume. Again, 
that's making me focus on something. I would recommend though getting the lavender and lemon balm. You can get little roller bottles from the likes of Bomar, so that's bomar.ie or doTERRA. Um, so you make up your own little blend and you can rub it on your wrists or in behind your ears. Those two spots are really good because the pulse or your pulse will pulse the smell to you continuously. Or you can also get little uh, aromatherapy inhalers as well. I personally prefer the topical version, but you can get aromatherapy inhalers too. And then the last one is taste. Taste can be a hard one. So what, (laughs) for me, what I used to use was chewing gum. And I've now become a chewing gum addict. And I am very, very much aware as a naturopath how bad chewing chewing gum is for my gut microbiome. Completely aware of this. But it's something that used to get me through. And I find it a comfort. And now I constantly have to have chewing gum in my bag. Or I would constantly be chewing on chewing gum. Um, Not constantly, but a lot of the time. Again, it became habit, but it became a comforting habit. So for me, for me, it's always the peppermint gum that I have in my bag. And it does, it automatically grounds me and it keeps me centered. So technically, I shouldn't be recommending chewing gum <laughs> because I know what it does to the gut microbiome. But screw it. If you are somebody who is going through anxiety attacks, panic attacks, if it helps in the moment, use it. Life is about balance, right? It's not good for the gut microbiome, but it's good for your emotional wellness. <laughs> That's what I say to myself anyway. And then, so there are your five senses. So there are your sight, touch, hearing, smell, and taste. Sight, five things. Touch, four things. Hearing, three things. Smell, two things. Taste, one thing. And another tool that you can have is if you are someone who hyperventilates, it can be that in itself is quite scary because you can't catch your breath. So carrying small little paper bags. Now, unfortunately, the shops are closed. I used to go into the likes of Claire's Accessories, any of these shops, and because they've always got those small little paper bags. And I just asked them for a handful of them. And I'd keep paper bags in my handbag all the time or my school bag. So carrying them with you, because if you do start hyperventilating, breathing into that, you are, you're losing too much carbon dioxide. So breathing into that paper bag is going to help regulate the gases between oxygen and carbon dioxide. And it will help to slow the breathing down. Now don't breathe into it continuously. Take six to 12 breaths in and out of the bag take a break for a minute and then go back again but what you will notice is after the first six to twelve breaths your breathing will have slowed down and you will be able to start catching your own breath again and the the gases are equalizing again so do carry those paper bags with you then another tip is either in your safe space or taped to the back of your phone have affirmations where you can see them um, because panic attacks are caused by fear or that loss of control have things that will give you a sense of control back 
so even sentences like I am safe or I am in control or one I found is very good for centering myself or bringing myself back into the moment is just repeating slow little breaths these will all keep you focused until it passes and they will all give you that sense of control back then post panic attack having something sweet on hand is really important uh for me it would be dark chocolate it's always been dark chocolate and simply because i didn't know this when i was a teenager but i know it now um the tryptophan in dark chocolate is uh, it's a precursor for serotonin your happy hormone but as well our nervous systems also responds to sweet tastes it'll kick your parasympathetic nervous back into action so having dark chocolate really at hand so carry some in your bag or as have some at home or in your safe room for when that panic attack is actually over and also have either a sweet cup of tea I again when I was a teenager I would always be given a sugary cup of regular black tea and it would help but again it was the sugar it was that sweetness but having a cup of chamomile tea with honey that'll also help to soothe you you want to really avoid caffeine post panic attack because it could stimulate more anxiety as well so going for a caffeine free tea with some honey in it again the sweetness to trigger that parasympathetic nervous system response and then knowing if you're someone who needs someone with you or not that's really important so if you're someone who needs a person with you while you're going through a panic attack ask someone to be your panic buddy tell them all you need for them is literally just to sit there with you while you focus on your steps at hand while you focus on your five senses while you focus on your breathing while you focus on your affirmations but then if you're someone who needs to be left alone tell the people around you this because if their presence is going to make you worse you you can't have that around you but they're not going to know that unless you voice it to them when we see someone in a state of panic or anxiety all we want to do is help so the people who are closest to you your loved ones they will come and they will try and help you but if you're not able to breathe or if you're not able to voice what's going on you can't tell them to leave you alone so telling them this before you ever have a panic attack or in a setting when you're actually in a good place making them aware of what it is that you actually need is one of the most beneficial things that you can do for yourself and for the people that are around you and the people who love you they only want to help you in whatever way they can so let them know make them aware give them the information that will help them help you So again, for the times when you're going through panic attacks, have your tools ready. Your five senses, your paper bags, your affirmations, your dark chocolate or your something sweet. And the preparation for the people around you. All these things are giving you back a sense of control. Now, when it comes to general anxiety and emotions and 
not the actual acute panic attack stage, but the cascade of different emotions that are coming. There are still things that you can do for that too. For right now, for loads of people, they're being triggered in so many different ways and they're being triggered into old coping mechanisms. Anyone who has ever suffered with their mental health, so the likes of OCD, eating disorders, self-harm, PTSD, any victims of abuse, be it physical, psychological, emotionally or sexually, any area of mental health and wellness, whatever it was or is, now is a really challenging time for these people. And look, again, I'm not immune to this. The areas, for me, the areas I, well, where I thought, where my weak my weak spots are, my weak areas, I was keeping an eye on. Once all this started happening, I was like, okay, I have to keep myself in check. I need to make sure I don't spin out. For me, it's I go into OCD mode when I have a loss of control. So for now, I had to... I said to myself, I have to let myself be okay with a little bit of mess in my house. Deliberately so. So I'd leave things unwashed in the sink overnight or I'd leave crap in the sitting room. Has it gone to my detriment? Maybe slightly because now I'm getting lazy. <laughs> but it has helped for my, my OCD tendencies. And then food was always a problem for me. I suffered with anorexia for years. And then I also went into binge eating for a few years. So for me with food, I had to make sure that I kept my eating routines normal. So my breakfast, lunch and dinner. I'd be more prone to losing my appetite. So because it's very easy for me to lose my appetite. So I made sure to keep those routines in place. And I have to keep my hunger levels up so that I will eat. Now, also, that is coming from a place of vanity. I am not going to lie. And simply because I've done a shitload of work in the gym and I don't want to gain muscle back from losing it, from being unwell last year with my thyroid. And I was like, I am not losing these muscles again. (laughs) So, yes, it's coming from a vanity point of view. But even in that, that's my why. So I'm making sure that I have a why to eat. Because I put the work in and I want to keep my my gains. I hate that saying, my gains. But anyway, I can't think of a better phrase right now. But it is also easy for me to go into using food to control things. And that's where anorexia and binge eating comes, in, comes into it. it. It's Again, it's OCD. It's all a control mechanism. It's all a control thing. So... I'm making sure to keep healthy but appealing food in the house all the time so that I don't start starving myself or that I also don't start binging. There's only so much pineapple and blueberries that you can binge on to be fair. So my snacks I'm keeping quite healthy and because I I thought these were my weaknesses I and I was like I'm so on top of this I'm doing great and they they haven't actually been problems for me like I haven't had to keep the house spotless if anything I've become a little bit lazy with keeping the house but also I haven't I haven't used food in a negative way be it starvation or binging but I did have a few days last week where 
I wasn't coping well at all and I couldn't understand why you know there's many different reasons first there is the collective fear that is out there and there is so much energy based around that and everything is frequency every everything around us is frequency and when they're the masses are scared or vulnerable or angry it it does filter through now I was very emotional like I couldn't stop crying for two days and I couldn't understand it and I was putting it all down to that collective fear and that collective anxiety and I was also really agitated I couldn't be around anyone and again putting it down to the collective whereas I wasn't actually looking at myself and I wasn't looking at what was coming up for me because I was focusing on the bigger picture instead of bringing it back and looking at me it wasn't until one point last week I had to I had to leave, I had to be on my own, I had to get out and I was holding a glass of water in my hand and I got this massive urge to smash the glass and cut myself and it scared me. It had been, it's been well over 10 years before I've or since I've ever done that. And it has been well over six years since I've ever even thought of doing that. And it was in that moment that I realized, okay, this is not just the collective, this is me too. I need to look at what is going on internally in myself, what is being triggered in myself, and why is this being triggered? And look, to be honest, it's actually, it's quite scary even admitting that on this podcast right now, because that also brings up my charlatan complex my fears of who do I think I am telling people what to do if I'm feeling like this and all that jazz but it made me realize that I had a blind spot and that was my blind spot it was something that I because I was keeping control quote unquote in a way around what I thought were my weak areas I'd forgotten about this very very old coping mechanism And I had completely forgotten about it until it arose in me. But that's what gave me my light bulb moment of I have to check myself and I have to find out where this is coming from. Now when it comes to self-harm it's a very, it's a subject or a topic that can be hard to understand for people who have never been through it or been around people who have been through it it took me years to figure out why I was doing it not why I knew during the time it was giving me relief but it took me years to have the emotional emotional intelligence around what exactly it was doing for me so there's two reasons for self-harm now there may be more but predominantly it comes down to one of two things now it's different for everyone but the bigger picture of it one internal pain can be too much to bear that when you you actually self-harm or you cause physical pain on yourself it distracts from that emotional pain that you can't fully explain for a cutter someone like myself what I used to do was again was watching watching the blood because it was a physical representation of an emotional release 
So that in itself was a release. And then two, it's a way of having control over your own body and over your own life when control is taken away from you. And it's the same when it comes to eating disorders, hence why I put food plans and routines in place for myself to make sure that I wasn't triggered back into an old coping mechanism. Now, I just want to reiterate, or not reiterate, I just want to point out that the urges came, I didn't actually do it, but because that urge came up, it made me have to look at why it came up. So I had to go back to my emotional connection tools to figure it all out. So I've spoken about emotional awareness and emotional intelligence versus emotional connection before and how it's all well and good having the awareness but not when you don't actually have the connection to the emotion. Now look, I'm going to hold my hand up here. I am the queen of that too. I am the queen of being emotionally intelligent and emotionally aware but not feeling the feeling. But I'm way better at it now than what I used to be. But I'm continuously learning on it and I'm continuously growing with it. Over the last 10-12 months I've become much, much more better. That's a terrible phrase that I just said much, much more better. But I have become much better at connecting in with the feelings. But being emotionally intelligent or being emotionally connected whatever at the end of the at the end of the day emotional awareness is crucial for moving through any feeling or moving through any emotion awareness is the first step in anything but for anyone who has been triggered be it emotionally or psychologically these are the tools that I use to figure it out and to help move through the emotion or the feeling and to help release it. And I think that's really important is actually moving through the steps and getting to that end point of releasing it. So the first one is triggers. Notice when you've been triggered. Notice when you get upset, when you get angry, when you get scared, when you want to run away. This is your first sign that something is being stirred inside you. The next step then is the three A's, as I call it. So awareness, acknowledge and accept. So awareness. Bring your awareness to what has been triggered in you. Are you teary, angry, frustrated? Put a word to the feeling recognize what the emotion actually is then acknowledge acknowledge how you are really feeling i'm crying or i'm frustrated because i feel sad or angry okay i feel sad or angry because whatever the reason is you're not in control of your own life you're not in control of your, your actions or your own life's actions right now. You can't do what it is that you want to do. Now, this is actually a really big one for people with PTSD. Uh, and especially people coming from abusive relationships, be it intimate relationships or familial relationships, any sort of abuse. And then for a lot of people right now, it, it's that you're scared and you can't control what is 
what's going to happen. You can't control what's going to happen to the people that you love. You can't control what's going to happen at the end of all this, when the end of all this is going to be. And then fear of what if the people that you love get sick? What if you make someone sick? These are all valid fears. Which then brings me on to acceptance. So acceptance is recognizing how you're feeling. And then letting that acceptance bring you to a place of releasing the emotions. So we can control our thought processes all we want, but different triggers are going to keep showing up until we feel and heal. So how do we do that? How do we feel and heal? Stop running. Stop avoiding. Stop running from the emotion. Stop avoiding the emotion. Stop disregarding it. Stop pushing it down. Stop minimizing it. And stop invalidating your emotional body. When the feeling or the emotion comes up, actually let yourself feel it. Be okay with feeling sad. Be okay with feeling angry. When tears come, let them come. Don't hide them. Don't run away. Don't try and stop yourself from crying. Don't suppress them. You don't have to be tough. You don't have to be tough for anyone. When anger and frustration comes, let yourself scream or grunt or just let it out. It's when we suppress or when we bury the emotion that over time it ends up becoming a volcanic eruption. When it shows up, hold space for it. And I know how scary it is to let yourself feel these things. Trust me, I know I have run from them for years. I know how scary it is to face shitty emotions. But I now also know how liberating it is to feel them, really feel them, and then move on with my life. One thing I'll say is that if you need to be by yourself while you are processing it, and for me, I do, I always need to be by myself when I'm going through something or an emotion comes up. I need to be alone to figure it out, to process it. And that's okay. So even over the last few weeks, say my mom has been worried about me. She was like, oh, the OCD and whatever. But I had a preconceived notion in my head that she was worried about the OCD and the the past eating disorders and, and things like that. It wasn't until I actually went away, processed everything that was coming up for me and then came back to her because every day she was asking, Orla, are you okay? Orla, are you okay? Do you want to talk? And I was like, no, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. I was running from it because I didn't want to face it. Not that I didn't want to face it. I didn't understand what was going on until I reached my my oh fuck moment of getting that urge and that's exactly what it was was oh fuck and I apologize for the cursing because I've done nothing but curse <laughs> over the last month but I think that's okay because that's a good release too um but she kept asking me was I okay and I was like I'm fine I'm fine I'm fine but we all know what fine means fucked up insecure neurotic and emotionally unstable that's exactly where I was and 
when I finally processed what was going on and I went back to her and I said, look, I need to tell you something, but you're not allowed to freak out about it. And I told her that these are these old, old urges that I haven't had for years came up. She was like, yeah, I know. Why do you think I've been worried? I knew what was going on for you. So even if you think that you need to manage these things on your own, which I am that type of person who needs to process emotions myself before I can go to anyone, be aware that there are people there for you who will hold space for you or will have an ear for you because they're not blind and the people that we love know us the best. So they know what's going to come up for you, even if you don't know yourself what's going to come up for you. Myself, case in point. But if you do need to be by yourself while you process, that's okay. But then if you need someone to witness what's going on for you, that's okay too. Ask someone to be your sounding board. Ask someone to sit with you while you talk, while you process what it is that's going on in your head. Sometimes we just need an ear to bounce things off. And as we're talking, what's actually going on will come out. So if you're the type of person that needs someone to witness it, ask someone to be there for you so you can figure out the answers yourself while someone holds space for you. But whatever type of person you are, be it someone that needs to do with themselves or someone that needs support, what I will say is feel the emotion in the moment. Feel the feeling in the moment. Don't look for a fix for it. Forget about the fix right now. Don't start thinking about something else that's going to take your mind off of it. Don't don't put on a movie. Don't pick up your phone to scroll through social media. Don't run or avoid by using other tools or methods. Sit with it. As uncomfortable as it may feel, just sit with it and sit with it and sit with it and sit with it some more. If you don't, it's only going to come back up again. If you don't let yourself feel it, you're not going to be able to heal it. What I will say is use the likes of deep breathing techniques to help you move through it. And give yourself that safe space to face it. Even if it's your safe room or your bedroom or your bathroom or a car or wherever doesn't have to be a big massive hippie cocoon like what I do for myself (laughs) doesn't have to be a big thing it can just be some place where you can go and you let yourself feel a feeling but even through all of that what the main thing is is giving yourself the permission to actually feel it I'm not sure if it's an Irish thing or if it's a generational thing. But we were never allowed to feel our emotions. We were given out to. Now I'm not speaking just personally. I'm not even saying this in any sort of personal way. I'm saying this in a collective way. Not being allowed to get upset or to go through the terrible twos or have your little tantrums as a child or fall and get hurt and be upset 
when you're not allowed to feel those emotions at a young age, from the ages of zero to five is when our personalities are developed. When you're not allowed to feel emotions that come up for you then, that sets you up for a lifetime of not being able to feel your emotions going forward. You feel like you have to hide them because they're wrong. When you were given out to for being sad or being upset or being hurt or being angry, especially the anger one in a lot of kids. Kids aren't allowed to have tantrums, whereas they don't know any other way how to express their emotions because they don't have the vocabulary for it. They have screams, they can use that, but they don't have the words. And when they're not allowed to feel those things, that sticks with them moving on through life. So one thing that you need to do for yourself right now is give yourself permission to feel whatever it is you're feeling. You're allowed to feel whatever it is that you're feeling. And then know that it will pass. Nothing in life is permanent. Everything will change and everything will move. And those feelings that are coming up for you in that moment, they will pass. And they can pass with you moving through them. That's the most important part. And then my final point for this week's episode is if you're not someone going through anxiety but you know someone who is struggling with anxiety or their mental and emotional well-being there are steps that you can take that will help them. First one being don't tell someone to calm down. (laughs) This is the worst thing you can do. That actually just makes someone even more angry or sad or frustrated we're actually visual creatures so telling someone to calm down is just going to exasperate the problem tell them to picture a purple elephant instead and what was it that you just pictured a purple elephant well i'm guessing so anyway putting funny happy images into someone's mind will help them to calm down in the moment then ask them what it is that they need from you. You're not a mind reader. Nobody is. And you may actually be worsening a situation by trying to help them, but by not knowing what it is that they actually need. So ask them, what is it that they need from you in that moment? If you know talking about certain topics or watching the news all the time is going to trigger someone, Avoid them. Avoid these topics. Avoid the news outlets. And one thing that's really important right now, especially for anyone with PTSD or for anyone who is just chronically on edge, avoid violent movies and violent TV series because they really are an onslaught to the senses of someone with anxiety. They can't cope with that. There's already enough turmoil going on inside their heads, inside their bodies, that getting it from a media source is it's overbearing so try to avoid as much violent tv and movies as you possibly can disney plus has just come out i think so download disney plus and put on all the good movies for me it's mary poppins the old one the original one but then as well 
having nourishing foods in the house lots of sweet potato mash lots of soups comfort food home-cooked meals and then the likes of your dark chocolate your chamomile your fennel teas all these nourishing grounding foods they don't like sweet potato regular mashed potato very very grounding yes it's carb heavy but forget about carbs right now if someone's in an an anxious state or they are overwhelmed they just need to be nourished another thing you can do is play music dance in the house find joy in those little moments and then be ready when they do come to talk to you have patience it's one thing i'll i'll say to you is try to have patience with them but be ready when they need an ear or they need a sounding board it may take some time some people can take a while to open up but be there and be ready for it when they are ready and finally remember that emotions are like waves they come and they go And you just got to ride the wave. For me, myself, my sister and my brother, when we all go dancing together, we, I don't know how or why, but somebody nicknamed it our dance move as the wave. And now I'm dancing the wave every day at home, no matter what the emotion is, happy, sad, frustration, anger, confusion, but I just keep reminding myself that I just got to ride the wave. I'm currently listening to Ben Howard constantly because he reminds me of surfing. I think that's why I love the ocean so much because it connects for me, not connects, but it resonates with emotions. All emotions, they come in waves. So do just ride that wave. And know that It will pass and better times are coming. So that's it for this week's episode on Orla's Happy Hormones. I know, again, another heavy one. But I think we're all feeling a little off kilter. Maybe not all of us. But a lot of us are. If you like this episode, please feel free to review it or screenshot it and put it up on your social media or send me a message if you're triggered in everything that's going on please feel free to send me a message if I can help you in any way shape or form I will because we all need to we all need to have a little life boy so for now happy weekend and happy hormones